again, where they hired all these advisors, had all these clients, and then realized that a lot of these clients weren't actually active and couldn't make it work. And so they needed Leicester. They wanted to basically cut, cut the areas and put advisors in and then realize let's make the areas bigger and have one advisor cover bigger patches. And so again, last in, first out. So got made redundant again for the third time. The only problem with it the third time was that I just had my fourth child. So I literally had my fourth child, went on paternity leave for two weeks, came back, and the week I came back, they let me go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Embryo Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Hello and welcome everyone to the latest episode of Every Year Podcast. This is where we just talk about where every year is not a loss. There are certain things we go through and it's not a good cop in there, but ultimately there's things we gain from those experiences. I'm actually gassed today, as per usual, to have my next guest on here. And I think a lot of my audience will be as well. This gentleman is someone that you've seen on your socials, someone that you've seen on your TV sets. And when I say TV, I'm not talking about like streaming thing that I'm an old man I'm talking about terrestrial tv you'll see him on the bbc you'll see him in other places and he's all about talking about your money and how to make it work but he don't talk about in a in a typical financial advisor sort of way he brings it down to the ground he keeps it real and he tells you about yourself because if you're thinking about copping a ps5 and you're still living at home with your mums and you're in your 30s plus 40s you might want a reconsideration of your life decisions at this point. So without further ado, I am going to introduce my next guest, Emmanuel. Yeah, well, people, good to be here, a.k.a. Uncle Eman is back. We're here, Eman Asuko, People's Financial Advisor. And yeah, man, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, man. No, much appreciated. So yeah, so just just tell people a little bit about what you do. Yes, you're a fi- People Financial Advisor. What does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, so basically, I'm a financial advisor, actually qualified, no disrespect to everyone else that's a financial advisor online. But yeah, a lot of people that are online are giving financial advice, but not necessarily qualified. I'm a qualified financial advice, have been for over 15 years. I got tired of helping just rich people get richer, so I decided to go on social media and break down finances in a in a more relatable way. And it's worked for me. And, you know, through that, I've been able to do TV and, and loads, of, loads of different stuff. So, yeah, my day-to-day is just doing what I love and getting paid for it. Really good to hear because ultimately some people can sort of have accolades, have the qualification, just want to keep doing what they've always done because that's all they know. And what a lot of people may not know on this podcast is the fact I had, I've been in finances for just shy of 16 years and I've worked with various wealthy clients and stuff like that. And yeah, it's all well and good teaching them, but what about your people then? What about the people that you interact with on a daily that don't understand finances and how it works and how it can benefit them, how they can use certain vehicles to help them get from where they are to achieve their goals and aspirations? So you know, I guess as well, it's sort of like removing the stigma from all the superstition. They say, oh, don't do this and don't do that. Like, but come on now, if you're not saving money for this, 
and but you're spending money on that. That don't make no sense. And you're talking about generational wealth, but yet you're buying all these jewelries and something like that. Yet you ain't gonna end the bank account. Just yeah. Exactly that. And I think the problem is, is that especially in the UK, we don't talk about money. You know, money's almost a taboo. I always tell people like when I do shows to get participants, sometimes can be so difficult to get participants, but there's a show on channel four and I do a lot of stuff on channel four called naked attraction Yeah, where people are literally naked on the television. It's been going for like, I can't even un- unknown seasons, bare seasons. <laughs> they do not struggle. I remember each episode is six guys and six women. And yet, they got episode after episode after episode. People are, people are more comfortable being naked on television than they are showing that, you know, that they're in financial difficulties or they have financial issues. And so what this is about is about making money relatable, talking about money. One of the big things I find is that especially as a black community, we are underpaid. Why? Because we don't communicate because you, you, you will make a salary and you're not going to let other people know what you're on because you do feel like you're being judged. But then you don't realize because you're not having those conversations, you're actually getting paid. You're underpaid, but you're doing the same. You're sitting next to somebody else doing the same job and they're getting paid 10, 15 K more than you because they asked the question or because they've got a family member who knows how much you should get paid for the job. And they answer that. And because we don't have these conversations, we're lo- we're getting less and we're already at a disadvantage as it is. So for me, it's about having these conversations, but making them relatable, adding a little banner, a little entertainment, a little smile while we do it, but make sure we are talking money, finance, wealth. No, I feel you on that. And just for the listeners that don't know anything about Naked Attraction, I'll tell you a quick little story. I stumbled across Naked Attraction when I was just finishing watching Netflix, as you do. And it goes from, you know, in streaming services to terrestrial TV. So all of a sudden I'm seeing this screen pull up and stop <laughs> above the genitals of the ladies. And this woman host, the female host, sorry, escorted the person that was looking or examining the, 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 the various people and just showing them their private area. And was saying, Oh, does that look nice to you? Does that? And I'm thinking, what manner of foolishness is this? If my wife come downstairs like that, yeah. I'm going to have a very awkward conversation. Yeah. Then they, next time they do, they pull it up a, get, a bit further and then they show the chest area. And I'm talking about if you've got breast, showing breast, if you're a guy, then it's with your pecs. Then it goes up next to your face. Now I'm thinking, this is foolishness. Imagine you're a manager of a team of people. Mm-hmm. You are watching this show. Mm. You've seen the bottom part of the person. You've seen the middle part of the person. And the last part you see is their face and go, oh, crumb, I manage them. I can't deal with this no more. Like that is traumatizing. That is traumatizing. But then people are willing to go on them shows, expose off their body. But you ask them, yo, how much you get paid for that? Huh? What? What? I don't understand the question. Like why? Why? So you shy about your money, but you're happy to expose everything that is you for the whole world to see. And then tell me you want to be a nurse, you know, that's like, yeah, that's no longer an option for you because you just done that on this. Come on now, people. Come on now. But yeah, people, if you want to watch Naked Attraction, that's your business. No one's judging you. But if you're willing to, ex- you know, ex- experience people, expose themselves like that, challenge them and challenge yourself. Why would you not want to expose your financial affairs so that you can help better, not just yourself, but those around you, those that you care about? Because something I experienced when I was back in the financial industry is that the people that were affluent, they would have conversations with their children, their family about money. I know there's times where I'll have a parent that will say, yo, I ain't going to talk about my child, talk to my child about money because it's big people saying. And then when the person is considered big or of age, and then they say, oh, why ain't you got no money? Well, if you ain't taught them about money, whatever your relationship is, good, bad or otherwise, 
if you're not giving them any sense of the ex- experience to go off, they're going to create their own experiences and you can then not exactly. So it's one of those things. And you can probably tell <laughs> money is really a passionate thing for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. And, it, and it's important. It's important. It's important to have these conversations and it's important that we start to talk about money and stop hiding. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not something to be embarrassed about. If you feel like you're not earning enough, go and make more, go and find other ways to make more. It's not something that, like and I think again we are stuck on this. Oh, I go get a job. I can only I, I can I can only earn so much because they only pay me so much. But yeah, but that's because your only source of income is what somebody will will, will pay you. Yeah. But actually, you you have skills. You have you have time to do other things and add value to others to create other streams of income. And I think, like I always say, like there's 365 days in a year. Why do you only get paid on 12 of them? Yeah. It's like, if you scored 12 out of 365 on a, on a test, you would never say that you did well. Like, so why do we, why do we allow this when it comes to how many times you can get paid every single day of the week? And remember, we got different time zones. So you could be getting paid in Australia. And then by the time that people wake up, you're getting paid in New York, getting paid in LA, you're getting paid in the UK. The internet has allowed us. We don't. We don't. Ha- you don't have to stick to. Oh, I'm in London, so I can only only serve people in my area. No, the internet now. The world is your market. Yeah, and the good thing as well. You don't necessarily have to be the best person in your field to be making money either. Because no, if you look at them contestant shows where people come second, third, fourth, they're still getting paid because the person that's first might be too busy to help out other people, or they might be outside their their budget. So. You can do it. And yeah. You don't need to be the richest person. You just need to be comfortable realistically and we'll get yeah. to that point where you understand what is enough for you and yours. And, and that's the thing. The problem is we compare ourselves too much. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what consumerism does. That's the system. Yeah. And that's, I think people don't understand that, that that's the cheat code is that the system is designed, especially in the UK where we don't manufacture. Look, when, when, when we had the lockdown, what did they do? They said, look, you can go out, go out and eat. <laughs> for free or for discount or whatever. Do you, do you understand? There's a deadly virus out there, but you can go out and eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you can go out and eat because what, what, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to eat out because what, because that's making you spend money. They understand that's the only way to get the economy started is making you spend money. What's happened now? Everyone's worked from home. Are the, they're saying, oh, people not using TFL. We'll have to raise it. Oh, people are not coming in. You know, we need, we need to, we need to get everyone back in the office because the local shops and supermarkets and all of this stuff are struggling because nobody, the, the office workers are not around. It's complete madness. Like, so when that's, when we understand that, then you understand when you go on social media, why they always show you and portray this image of your value comes from the things that you buy, the places that you go, the company you keep, that's the value. But at the reality is is that you are already valuable and you have to find what's important to you and run a race for yourself and and for me my family and how my i would hate for the world to love me but my kids and wife to look at me as a disgrace 100 percent, yeah but i think a lot of people don't have that i think we care more about what people think outside than we do those that we're most closest to and i think that's something that we have to change our value and our reports doesn't come by how many likes how many followers whether we're going to dubai whether we're look, everyone's going afro nation now it's like if you're not there you're not really living it's a lie i'm living and enjoying without being there do you know what i mean and more, more time i watch i'll watch the clips i'll watch hashtag afro nation on on instagram i feel like i was there anyway and watch all you lots videos and get and get and get secondhand enjoyment for free so it's about us when you really understand your value and your worth then all of a sudden this money game is completely different 
I think that's definitely it. I think too many people think money is the ultimate currency when in actual fact that is further from the truth. There's so much more in richer life. You don't have to be a parent to experience the many highs of life that it has to offer you. But I think once you can understand that the materialism things that you're attaching yourself to or what you're seeing as perfect. Because let's be honest, we both create content and we know how much work can go into creating said content. And what we do and getting their attention for like 15 seconds. But some people out here spending bags on multiple things to try and get your attention for 15 seconds and don't even benefit them. So that's like a poor return on investment at that point. But they will do it and make you feel like, oh, you're some sort of way or you're below standards because you're not achieving what they've got. And it's like, do you know what? Just knowing that I can not have anything and still make my family laugh and smile and be comfy. That works for me. Or just knowing I don't need to have the latest bit of tech in my pocket to be happy. That gives me a piece that having those items can't do. Cause why am I going to take a, get a 1100 pound phone and have a free year contract like that? That's not peaceful to me. That's stressful. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I guess we all learn at different stage and that's why the things that you do and other people out there, in the same financial field, doing great work. I know I'm very passionate about finance. I try not to talk about it too much on my podcast because there's so many more things we can talk about. But obviously with you and other people that are like-minded, I'm going to talk about finance because 16 years is a long time in my life to know <laughs> for it to be there. And I just like helping people out. And this is what the podcast is about, just letting people know that there's certain things we go through. And some people are willing to brag about the W's they've got in life, go, yo, I got this, I got that, rare, 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 rare but don't actually want to or ever want to share the L's they've copped and what they got from it because the L's looking like, yeah. is looking like a bit of shame. And it's like, yo, wear like a badge of honour because sometimes you need to go through some stuff to get the results yeah. you get. So let's jump into the first L that you said that you wanted to discuss. Now, remember, folks, I don't know anything more than what, you, what you're going to hear right now in terms of what the L is. So we're going to learn together. So the first L is having to retrain at work. So... Please set the scene. What what happened? Where was you working? And what was this retraining about? Yeah, so I was at Barclays. So I always tell people that I I got the job as financial advisor. I had been at Barclays part-time while I was doing my degree. When I finished my degree age 22, Barclays made me a financial advisor. So youngest financial advisor in Barclays in the country. And just kept on working, doing well. I worked locally, like in, I was working in near Bromley. That was the area I was working in. And then I moved back to the city where I originally worked when I was a cashier. I was dealing with high net worth clients and so forth and doing really, really well. I'm very good. Very, I'm a people person. I get on with people. So it never really feels like a sale. I just help people and, you know, get the, get the, get the deal done. But basically I was, Barclays were upgrading branches. My, the branch I was getting in was going to be one of the brand new big branches that they were that they were creating, and it's going well. Top, we have like leaderboards as financial advisors. Top of the leaderboard, doing well. But I got relaxed. I got there's a, there's a point where you know you're so good at what you do. You, you sometimes, especially when you're young, you get relaxed. And so, as a financial advisor, there was a certain before you start a meeting or during a meeting, you're meant to go for a certain document to let people know that you're regulated and all of this stuff. And if they want to cancel or if they want to make a complaint, here's all the, all the information. So basically the, the line manager I had was a bit of a hater and so sent a mystery shop. So a pretend customer and the customer went through, 
gave me great feedback. But the thought, the thing that I was supposed to go through, I just gave it to him. I said, oh, you can read more information in this document. I didn't go through the document because I, I wasn't even selling anything anyway. I was just giving them a general, what your options are, what you can do, how I can help you and stuff like that. And so because of that, I got, I got called into a room, got, I had to go back to do retraining. So imagine I've been qualified for years, top, and they were like, oh, you, you messed this up. You're supposed to do this. You didn't do it. So I had to go back and retrain with all the new starters, people that are brand new and go through that whole, like, it's like a, it's like a six week course that I had to go on. Like I was starting brand new to retrain, do rail plays, like where people pretend customers, even though I've been in front of customers for years, but I had to do it all over again. And it was just a good, it was just a lesson that I learned that, you know, actually you can't get comfortable. Like, do you know what I mean? The heart, I used to complete that document inside out and go through it. Do you know what I mean? Um, when I first started, cause I knew it was something to do, but as I got more confident, I got more comfortable. I started to let stand the standard slip because I felt I could get away with it. And it was a big lesson for me Like, never let your standards slip. Like as you get better, as you get more confident, only get better and improve on, on everything. Don't allow yourself to, to do yourself a disservice. Do you know what I mean? And also understand that the people around you may smile with you, may laugh with you, may act, do you know what I mean? But they haven't always got your best interests at heart. Do you see what I'm saying? Like my line manager is worried about himself. He's not worrying about me. At the end of the day, if he felt there was a problem, he could have come to me and said, oh, I hope you're doing this document. You know, everyone has to do it. Make sure, do you know what I mean? But man, just set man up. Do you know what I mean? Which is fine because I can't be angry at him. Because I have to say, I allowed somebody to do to do that to me. That's my bad. Do you understand? So yeah, it's just that was like the first one of the first L's I took, and I learned a lot from it. And how did you feel at that point? Because obviously, like I'm assuming here, correct me if I'm wrong. So for my days when I was in financial advisor, that that was like the decoration you had to go through in yeah. terms of you know if you want to report, you have got to get to the financial ombudsman services within this time scale, and obviously GDPR. You probably want GDPR at the time, but you know, yeah, it's data, just data protection, yeah, 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 and just just general fluff. Effective. That's what it was. It was fluff. Especially if you're not making a sell, then you kind of what's the point? Yeah. But did you feel some sort of way towards your line manager at the time, or? Was it a like, oh, okay, that's that's definitely on me? Because right now you sound quite eloquent and saying, yo, I learned stuff, you know, I can't get lax. But was you feeling that same way in your youngest, in younger way? At the time, I was like 24. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not, at that time, I'm definitely, I'm definitely blaming, blaming my, my, my line manager and I'm looking external. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of wisdom comes as you get older in life. Do you know what I mean? But, I did learn definitely like, okay, cool. Eman, like, don't slip, like, do your thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, do it properly. Like, because at that time I thought, right, I could lose my job. Do you know what I mean? If you get, if you, if I would have got sacked, when I would have gone to apply for another place, they would have said, why do you get sacked? Oh, he doesn't follow the regulation. Now all of a sudden I'm blackballed. I can't, I can't do my, all because of one little thing. And I was like, Eman, like, don't get, you're not like them. Like, no disrespect, but, Man's not going to the pub with these guys. I'm not, I'm not drinking. I don't do the, I don't play golf. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into that now. But at that time I was like, what's golf? Like man plays basketball, man kicks five aside with my brethren. Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of cultural differences. And then man's the only black man here in my team. One of the only in my area. Like, do you know what I mean? It's only if you, when you go nationally, like then you start to bump into others. So 
there's a certain standard that I should have set for myself knowing that I'm different already in this environment. But sometimes we get relaxed and feel like, oh, these men are relaxed. So you can, no, everyone's, everyone's different. Like you got to know where, where you are. And so I, I learned that quickly. When that happened to you, I'm assuming, okay, let me back it up. I'll tell you a bit of story. I used to work for Alliance Leicester. I ended up being like top 1% in my company. I had so many people come after me thinking, oh, I'm mis-selling, I'm doing that. How do you remember everything? Exactly. Because I'm telling the truth. Because if I tell the truth, then I don't have to lie. I don't have to worry about how I came to that conclusion. It's because that was the best thing for them based on what they wanted. And then when it goes, why isn't this, why isn't this the best one for me? I don't know. Let's look at it. Well, you did it then. This product was the best one at the time. Now we're, now we're the next year right later or whatever. This is better for you. Do you want to review it? Let's review it. But you, you had to be careful. and. It's quite weird because I've had a similar situation with a mystery chopper. And you you do have to be very careful. As eloquent as you can be, as amazing you can be, if you are not like them in the first instance, they're going to look at you differently anyway. And so I say, what makes you different to everyone else? Exactly. And in my younger days, I guess I was a little bit more fiery. As I get older, I think you just learn to pick your battles and just be mindful of what you can control rather than what other people can do. You just know that everyone else has the capability to be a bit of an arse. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then you just got to say, I'm not saying that you are an arse. I'm just saying you have the potential to be an arse and do something that just doesn't need to be done. Do you think if your line manager had called you aside and said, yo, E, come here for a second. Just want to make sure, can I come and do an observation on you or, you know, you need to go through this document regardless if it's just an inquiry or if it's a sale. Would you yeah. have taken that on board and run with it properly? Or do you think you would have had to have gone through the whole mystery shop, get the fantastic feedback that you're used to, and then get kind of slapped with the whole, yeah, you did this amazingly well. However, this is problem because it's not only going to be you that's impact, it's going to be the line manager, it's going to be the business, it's going to be the whole shebang. Yeah, so... Like when I look back now, I still feel like I had to go through it. I, I feel like even if I had, because you know, your manager would come every now, now and again and do an observation and I would, I would show them what they need to see. I'll go through the document and do, 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 and do, do everything compliantly. Do you know what I mean? It's just when I was on my own, I'd be relaxed. And so for me, I feel like, cause sometimes again, cause you're, I don't really understand the importance of this stuff because I'm so young. I'm not really grasping how important these things actually are i'm thinking wow every time i go for it these are falling asleep they're not even really listening to me do you know what i mean it's hard to do this in a very interesting way do you know what i mean and so i'm thinking well they can just read it in their own time do you know what i mean so for me i feel like again sometimes in life you have to go through things that like i had to go through that for me to really understand the importance of regulation the importance of actually what it is to be a regulated financial that's why sometimes that like, I'll get a bit annoyed when I see people calling themselves financial advisor or financial this. And I'm like, bro, if you know what it is to actually be regulated, to actually know that when you speak, you speak with the power of regulation and you can be called up. And, you know, if, if you say the wrong thing, the FCA could be in your back and people that haven't done the exams, haven't got that power yet, try to put you in the same category. It can be annoying because I, Going through that, I, under, I really understood what it is to be regulated and the power of regulation and, and the importance of making sure that you do things compliantly. So, so yeah, no, I feel like I had to go through that and I'm glad that I went through that young, 
didn't have no kids, no family. No, I was living at home. If the worst happened, I would have just rebuilt myself and gone again. But I learned it at a young so that I didn't have to go through that when I was older. Yeah, I get that. And for anyone that's not unaware what FCA is, it's a financial conduct authority. They're the ones that kind of p- help police us because it was F- FSA. F- FSA, FSA, yeah, yeah. But they kind of fell short and that's when the 2008 boom happened. Raw, I have proper, I'm going old school with this information. You know, like, <laughs> and then obviously they got disbanded and formed the FCA and I forgot the other one now, naming now. But yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting that you've gone through stuff like that and had to do it. It, did your parents ever find out about this? Parents, nah, they never, they never found out about none of this. Now, nah. how would they have reacted if they had heard what happened? Because I'm, I'm going to assume here that they were super proud of you when you passed and you'd done your exams. Like it would have been C for at the time or something like that at the time. And they're like, oh my gosh, my baby, he's doing this. He's like, yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, it's all like you did what now, or you didn't do what now? Yeah, I think, yeah, they're very, they're very. I feel like for me, it's a different generation or like, cause if, if I went on that mentality of, or what they would say, I would never been a financial advisor in the first place. I would have just played it safe and gone for a standard job and, you know, try to. So for me, I, I, sometimes you have to understand that the same thing that got me in the room is the same thing that same, the same energy and the same mindset and the same me being that, that person that got me the job in the first place was the same reason I, I ended up getting caught out. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes you have to understand that. Okay, cool. Cause if I f- fought like my mom or like my dad and, and so forth, I probably would, would have just gone for like an accountancy job and got my dad's an accountant. Um, and that's what he wanted me to do and become and just sat there and, and probably wouldn't enjoyed what I was, cause that's not me. Do you know what I mean? So, so yes, they would have been disappointed and yes, they would have said, you know, oh, you should play by the rules and, you know, you can't do this because you're black. And, you know, when you're black, you have to do everything 10 times harder. And did it. they would have gave that speech that man heard my whole life. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, it was like, okay, cool. I get it. I made, I made a mistake and, and so forth. But at the same time, yeah, I'm just going to make sure that no one can't do that to me again. That's fair enough. So let's, let's say going back in time, you're now wiser. What are you going to say to your younger self when you was at the peak of the top point where you were vexed? Like whether you're vexed for yourself, the situation, whatever it is, yeah. what are you going to say to yourself just be, just to sort of help you hit that turning point when you realize, okay, cool, this has happened. Now I have to do this. Like, what are you going to say to yourself to help convince yourself to understand you need to do this? No, you know what? I would say that going through the training experience again, was the humbling of everything because you can get so arrogant and so caught up in yourself and you're making these bonuses and driving a company car and everyone's telling you how well you've done because you come from the hood and you're doing real well and stuff like that. So going through that experience of being retrained and being, being there with junior people that are just coming fresh into the industry. And actually, you know what? One of the things I met one of my, one of my good friends to, to our friends today doing that training course again, and like, that was the experience like, okay, cool. Iman, you shouldn't be here, but you're here because of a mistake that you made. So you just remember that you allowed this to happen. And so that was the humbling experience. If I could go back and tell myself, I feel like I was a very much angry at the manager for setting me up 
And then, I, and then I was like, I'm angry at him, but I've got, but I've allowed him to do this to me. But the reality was, I just allowed it to, I should never have been angry at him. He is a manager protect, do, protecting himself. If he thinks one of his people is not doing the, doing the job correctly and he sends a mystery shopper and finds out that I wasn't doing the job a hundred percent correctly, then he's doing what he has to do to protect himself. Because if it comes, if it comes out that, you know, there's a string of clients complaining that I never, I never went through that document. They're going to look to him like, what did you do about it? How come you never, how come you never found out about it? Do you know what I mean? And so forth. So he's protecting himself. Now, sub managers will, will just put you to the side and be like, look, I don't think you're doing this. Or I've heard in the team that there are guys that are not doing this. You have to do this document. If you don't do this, if I find out that you're not doing it, like there's going to be big repercussions. Some people would have just done that. Do you know what I mean? But he wasn't one of those managers. But at the same time, there's different management styles and you, and you learn that it's not, it wasn't personal. I think one of the things that I think one of the things I had to learn, especially in this finance industry is that it's not personal. It's business. Man will hire you today, tell you how great you are. Three months down the line, the business is struggling and they're making you redundant. It's not personal. That is just the way it's just business. Do you know what I mean? And so when you start to realize that you start to say, like what you were saying is, I start to realize, actually, I need to get control of my life and get things in my hands because I'm giving them too much power to allow them to make business decisions on my life. Because although it's not personal between us, it's personal for my my wife and my kids. It's personal to my family. Do you know what I mean? Because the repercussions of this are personal to us, even though your decision is not personal to me. And so that's when I started to think about, okay, self-employment, other streams of income, and getting out of the, the kind of employment rat race. Did you deal with it in an unhealthy way? Because I'm thinking, because I've, I've had to go on a retraining session at work when I had an extended period of time off of it. And it is humbling, to put it mildly. <laughs> and, but I I would like to think I dealt with it in a good way. I Thinking back now, actually, I know I didn't deal with it 100% well. But do you think you dealt with it in a healthy way or in an unhealthy yeah. way? No, I dealt with it in a healthy way. I, I did the course, come back, went back straight to number one again in everybody's face. And then, and then when I, when I done that, then I left and got a double my, double my salary, went to, I left Barclays and went to Halifax and doubled my salary. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things where actually it worked, it worked out for me. So yeah, it was one of those things I had to go through, learn from it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me just show you what I do. Come back, showed you what I do because I was up on them leaderboards Halifax came, said, look, come and get this. Because one of the things I, I realized as well is that because I started as a cashier, I was on quite a low salary at Barclays compared to a lot of my peers. But obviously that meant I could meet, I could reach bonus quicker, which kind of made up for it. But then I went to Halifax and just doubled my salary because they were like, well, you're doing this production. You can come and make it over here. And then sometimes it actually benefits you to move. But I would have never thought about moving because it was personal because I had been at Barclays for so long. But after that, I realized, no, this is business. So I got to do what's best for me because you're going to do what's best for you. And so again, this is why I needed that to happen because I feel like I would have stayed at Barclays for long because they gave me the opportunity and the chance and all that personal stuff. But actually, this is business. Do you know what I mean? And and so sometimes you just need things to happen so you can see the world for what it is. No, facts. So some people brand that as an L. What are you going to brand this one as? I was, I, I don't, I never say L. I always say, I always, I always say, say a W, man. It's, I learn, I, even if it's an L, I learn. Do you know what I mean? And that learning becomes a W. So, you know what I mean? I never take L's. You know what I mean? I just learn. I have a winner, I learn.
Nah, I like that. I like that. All right. Much appreciated for that. So let's go on to your second L. So being made redundant three times. Oh, you know, mm. that song "Freeze" the magic number comes to mind at that point. <laughs> How is it you got made redundant three times? Oh, so yeah, so it's just it's just a madness. So obviously, I left Barclays, went to went to Halifax. Then RDR happened, and everything that happened. So then Halifax weren't paying for the exams that we needed to get to level four. So then I went to that West went to NatWest and then the banks pulled out of the market. So that's the first time I got made redundant. Then I went to SJP. I should never have gone to SJP. I should have found an employed role because I didn't have enough clients to really survive in that environment. Even though they tell you they're going to give you clients, they didn't give me anything. So went there, that didn't work. So I got let go from that. And then I went, found an employed role. No. So then I, after, after that, then I, so I got let go from SJP. Then I found an employed role in the city got in there, loved it. They realized that they hired too much, too many advisors for the, for the production. So obviously first in, first out. I mean, first, last in, first out. So then I got made redundant. So that was the second time. So I got made redundant, let go, then made redundant. And then I went to a third company again, where they hired all these advisors, had all these clients and then realized that a lot of these clients weren't actually active and couldn't make it work. And so they needed Leicester. They wanted to they basically cut, cut the areas and put advisors in and then realize let's make the areas bigger and have one advisor cover bigger patches. And so again, last in, first out. So got made redundant again for the third time. The only problem with it the third time was that I just had my fourth child. So I literally had my fourth child, went on paternity leave for two weeks, came back. And the week I came back, they let me go. Out. Wow. Well, before we continue, let me just back up a bit. So for those people that don't know, RDR is the exam qualification you need to achieve after, well, after a certain period in time, because they got rid of the old exams, which was CIFA. I can't remember what it was called, a certification in financial advisory or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you have to get to that maybe three modules of that, which it, the exam itself is not cheap. Uh, the tests are not easy, but you do what you got to do. RDR came along and it had to go up to diploma level if you yeah, correct. Exactly. Um, and again, it wasn't cheap. And because life happens, you know, inflation was added to it. So it wasn't like the thousand plus pounds it was before. It was a little bit more. Some companies would back it and some wouldn't. I know NatWest was one of the companies or RBS was one of the companies that pulled all their financial advisors. And financial advisors normally get paid quite a decent salary because it's a specialist role and the amount of money they can generate for the business is part of the reason why if they're going to let people go, they kind of look at those big hitters and think, can we get them to work harder for the money they're on? But yeah, I just thought I'd clear out for any listeners that were unfamiliar with those terms. And you said that you work for SJP, which yeah. is St. James's Place. Yeah. I know a lot about finances. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. But yeah, that's, again, this is all top of my head. I'm not, <laughs> no prep work done. Um, that is a lot. I think a lot of people at that point would have kind of gone a bit stir crazy. So I want to ask you the question now. You said the last one, was shortly after the birth of your fourth child. Yeah. So am I right in saying that you was getting made redundant and let go 
on and off during various pregnancies or births yep. of your yeah. children. Children, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And 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 you know what you have to understand is a lot of the time is, um, and I'm just going to be quite quite blunt of it, especially in financial services, they almost feel like you should feel lucky that they hired you because they're giving you this prestigious role and you're black. Do you know what I mean? So the second they need to let someone go, it's going to, you're going to be on the list. Even if you're doing the bits, even if you're doing, you're going to be, because they're like, right, we do, we're going to let someone go. You do know we got this black guy here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's one of those things where you you know, you go into these environments because the owner of the company is white and most of the clients are white. And a lot of the time people have their own stereotype and believe ignorantly believe that because you're black, you might not be able to relate to white clients as much as a white person would, which is a very stupid notion. And so because of that, they feel that, well, this is my firm. I've built this. This is my baby. And so actually I want someone that looks like me or talks like me. And it's nepotism. That's what happens a lot of the time where people are are feeling that they want to help people that look like them or come from a background similar to them. And so what happens is, is that when it's time to let go, you're naturally the first. Like, like we said, NatWest, they let, they let us all go. So that's different. But the other two firms, they were smaller, independent firms. And we know what happens. Do you know what I mean? And so even now, those firms still like to, to tell people, oh, yeah, E-Man used to work here. I'm their claim to fame because now I'm on TV doing well. But actually, I, and, and, let you go. And, and this is the, the point I always like to tell people is, is that you see those redundancies, they were just redirection. Yeah. They were, I needed that because today I live the best life I could possibly. And if I would have carried on I would, right now, I would just be a great employee to someone. Whereas today I stand as a pillar in my community where I t- I get probably, I'd say about three or four calls a week or messages where I end up end up having calls with young people like I want to be a financial advisor because they see me and they're like, this is something I see someone that I relate, I can relate to. I see someone that I look up to someone I respect doing this role. Now I know it's available to me. And guess what? If we have more financial advisors in our community, then now we don't need to wait for a bank to give us information. We know someone that we can call because it's yeah. in our community already. And so for me, I rep- I and, I and I thought there are a lot of there there are black financial advisors out there, but a lot of them are in firms, hidden, yeah. getting great salaries, looking after clients, doing, but nobody knows. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, it's that like I get to be a, a beacon of light. Like, okay, cool. Here's a whole industry, and this is available to you. You can come from a council state and and give financial advice to million. I I get millionaires that pay me to tell them what to do with their money, and I grew up on a council estate. Do you know what I mean? From immigrant parents. That's what we stand for now. And so for me, yeah, it was painful at the time. And for me, it, it was painful, especially the last one, because it was so unexpected. Like I wasn't expecting it at all, but I needed it to give me the push to be where I am today. That That is, I really like that. I, I like the fact that, you know, the things that you're doing, it's like, let's be fair, you're a grown man. Yeah. And you are relatable to various generation of people. I think one thing I underestimated, and I'll be candid about it, there were times when I first came across you and I didn't buy into what you was about because I'd seen you on the TV 
And I was like, cool, that's kind of what I expect, like Trevor McDonald sort of vibe in terms of how you play. Because when, you, when you're in those spaces, you kind of got to do that. Yeah, Let's yeah be of honest, course. Right? But then when I'm hearing you drop in how you're talking, it was like, yeah, that sounds like you're kind of going down a, like you're, that you're limiting yourself. But then it was like, no, you're not. You're just, you're just making it accessible to a different demographic of people. And it doesn't have to be one group of people that look a certain way. It's the people that understand that lingo, understand that speech pattern. It was like, exactly. That's what I'm missing. And I, I, I don't, obviously I don't really share much about myself in here anyway. I really should, should do it. It's my podcast, but. I was raised to sort of want to work in a city, you know, be up there because my mum came from Jamaica and, you know, she worked up there with white folks and trying to do that stuff. So I've always sort of chased that to sort of be that standard. And I would never not, I would never allow myself to talk slang around my clients or anything like that because I always felt like that would be bringing me down. And I felt kind of a bit, a bit ashamed. And one of my, one of my actual heroes is Ian Wright. And that's because Ian Wright is a big man who's got millions of pounds, but still rocks that same gold tooth he probably had back in the 80s. He could afford to take that out of his mouth and do whatever he wants with it, but he does it. And he just commands respect in every room he's in, yet he speaks like he speaks. He like he, he's, he is the way he is and he's unapologetic about it. And the way you are is very similar. And I think if you wasn't allowing yourself to be that way, these young ones that are coming up or even the older ones that might be inspired to think, yo, let me pivot and change and do something different. You are giving them the, the motivation, the inspiration to feel like, you know what? I can be authentically myself, but it doesn't mean to be authentically myself. I must only be one way. You can switch it up depending on your audience and it's still you because you're still getting called, even though you talk the way you talk on your socials. And you're still presenting to big big clients with big money and doing it on like Channel 4, BBC and them ones. And they've seen your content, but it's like they still trust you enough to be able to communicate the way you need to communicate to their audience. And I think I I like the way that you've, you know, you, you're grateful. You like the fact that you've, you've gone through those to be where you are. Because even I, obviously the podcast for me in a way is kind of like getting my kids to hear positive stories without me actually having to tell him but your kids are going to learn not from what you're saying but from what you're doing and for how you've inspired other people and that's something that your job very unlikely is going to allow you to do because you're like you said you're probably tucked away somewhere you're doing whatever you got to do getting a good salary but what impact are you really making other than lining your company's pockets exactly if a company's going to pay you big money if a company's going to pay you six figures let's say how much money are you making and realistically no definitely definitely and, and and saying that like i grew up in tower hamlets i was born in Whitechapel, so i'm from tower hamlets like i'm from tower hamlets so when i got a job and i got into canary wolf i'm like i'm from here why did i get to canary wolf and feel like i don't belong i'm like how can i not belong i'm born in this i'm born in tower hamlets canary wolf is in tower hamlets like i my cancer estate is e14 Canary Wolf's postcode is E14. So you can't, how am I in my own postcode? Let's take it that deep. I'm in my own postcode and I'm the one made to feel like I don't belong. I don't talk in a certain way. I'm the one that start. I used to call it my made in Chelsea voice where I used to start talking all professional and ha 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 and all of this type of stuff and, and so forth in order to make other people feel comfortable. And then I was just like, I can't, this ain't me. I can't live my life like not like stop being myself 
for this period of time while I'm here and then go back to being me afterwards. And then, you know, almost feel embarrassed. Like I got, there was a point where, you know, you're so around it that you now come around to the hood and you feel like, oh, right, you men are girl. Like, no, you men are just how we are. That's what I grew up in. And why should I be embarrassed? To come? I ain't embarrassed. To come. I'm proud of where I come from. I'm proud of my upbringing. I'm proud of the people that, that surround me. Because these are the people that really love man when I had nothing. Like, you only love me now because I wear the same suit as you and we're in the same company and you know how much money we make and da 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 That's why, you know what I mean? That's why you're even giving me any time of day. Like, these people love me when I had nothing and will still love me even if I lose all of this. And so, for me, it was a case of being my authentic self and and the best thing about it now is that when i go on shows they want me to i was on sky news literally on sky news and they had a, a lovely lady and she was she we were talking about the cost of living crisis and everything going up and she was shouting all these stats and everything like that and she's fantastic at what she does and and i i was on there and i was literally talking like this and, 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 and my, when I finished, my dad was like, oh yeah, but you got to, you know, the other lady, she was throwing so much stuff. And I'm like, I get it. That's, that's what you like. That's what you appreciate. But when Sky do the, do the um, reviews, cause they do like, they, they contact people afterwards to find out how did you find it? What were your thoughts? They're like, that guy's so relatable. That guy's so relatable. And that's why they call me back because actually finance has been something that, only people who are, are of a certain education or from a certain class or a certain background have ever been bothered to be interested in. And then here I come making finance normal, making it fun, making it funny, making it entertaining. And all of a sudden, normal people are like, now I want to hear what this guy's got to say. Now I can relate to this guy. I like this guy's story. I can believe what he has to say. I'm not going to tune out. I'm not going to change the channel. I'm engaged. And so that's why now we're seeing more and more TV shows approaching me and more and more things coming. And I get to be me. And like you said, you tell the truth because wherever you go, you say the same thing. You know, you know, it's the truth. And then guess what? When I'm being my authentic self, I don't have to remember, Oh, what did I say when I was on the other show? What did that? Yeah. I'm just being myself. This is my life. This is my story. Exactly. And, and that way I don't have to make up or oh, make up a lie or make up a fake story. Like I did when I first started, I used to make up so much stories when I first started to make, everyone else were comfortable and actually now i just myself do you think that's something that you gain through just life experience yes life experience because i feel like when i first started remember i started at 22 so i'm doing a big job like you know a financial advisor big well respected the average age of a financial advisor when i started was 50 now it's probably 55 50 57 58 so it's a, it's a big man job. And when I say man, it's mainly men that do, do financial advice. So we hope this, you know, more women are coming in. We thank God, but it's, it, it's a, it's a man. At that time was a man's job, a white man's job and an old white man's job. And I'm coming in 22 from the hood, black. It, I had so many things against me and it was like, I thought, well, I've got to become a chameleon. I've got, I've got to copy what they do and, and, and be more like them and so forth. And actually, as time went on, I realized the more, I, and this is, I told, I told this story. I was, I was with a client and I had my, I had my posh accent on. He had his posh accent on. And then I just dropped it. I, I got comfortable. I just dropped it. I just like, yeah, did it. And we just started talking and he was laughing and we we're cracking up. All of a sudden, did I not just hear one Liverpool accent come out of this brother's mouth? <laughs> and I was like, what accent is this? And he's like, yeah, you know what? I normally put on a vest, but I felt so comfortable with you. And guess what? He wanted to sign up that day. And I was like, no, we don't do that. I've got to go and do a report and come back. But 
the fact that he bought into me and I made him feel comfortable made him want to sign up. And I was like, actually, excellent. This is what I'm going to do from now on. I'm just going to be me. In every room I walk in, I'm going to be me. And if you don't like it, excellent. Go and find someone else. Guess what? Nine times out of 10, people bought into me. Even, you know, old ladies. Now, obviously, I'm not going to use slang around the old lady. That's just crazy. You're not going to understand what I'm saying. But I'm still going to be relate. I'm still going to keep it as easy as possible. I'm going to be char- charming and be me. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to think I have to be like someone else. And they, when I tell you how much clients bought into me, even when I didn't know the answer to questions, they were like, I'd be like, no, I'm going to go and find out. And they trust me. Because actually, sometimes it's your energy. Yeah. Like, yes, that's great to have experience. But if I don't, if you know that you don't have the experience, I can't tell people everyone can see I'm 22. I can't fake that I'm older and I've got experience. Everyone knows I'm 22. So all that, but what I can do is show them the energy and let them know that I'm all about them and I'm going to give them the best service possible. And I'm in tune with them. And what the reason they should invest with me and let me be their financial advisor is because I'm not going to take them for granted. I'm brand new you're the most important client I have because you're the only client I have right now. Do you know what I mean? And so when you start to talk to clients like that and make them feel their worth and feel value and, and have that connection with them, and maybe rather than just see them once a year, say, well, normal advisor only see you once a year. I'm going to see you twice a year. And in fact, for the big clients, I'm going to see you every quarter or at least have a phone call. All of a sudden, you're offering a service that people can buy into. And that's one of the things where I feel like when I started there were so many things that people said, oh, you can't, you're going to struggle doing this or struggle being there. But I forget that. Sometimes you have to just be forget what other, other people are projecting their own fears, their own insecurities, and they're trying to put it on you. And you have to be in a position where you say, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to, I'm going to give, because one thing I've realized in this life is that there's two types of people, good people and bad people. You see, everything else, black, white, female, transgender all of that is just extra added source do you understand the reality is there's good people and there's bad people and i'm a good person and if i meet another good person nine times out of ten we're gonna get on do you know what i mean and so all my job is to do is to make sure that i'm in rooms with good people and as long as i'm in good rooms with good people good things happen so for me i don't care about no one's title i don't care what no one's been through i don't care if you're rich you're poor you're this you're that are you a good person or are you a bad person? If you're a good person, let's do business. Do you know what I mean? And when I started to realize that life could be that simple, that simple, forget all the, because social media will add tags, you know, you've got, you're verified, you've got X amount of followers or you get this many likes or you're an influencer. When you take all of that away and just focus on people are people and they are good and bad, when you just focus on that, Trust me, the world is so much simpler. We There's so many less barriers to entry and I live my life so much more freer because I don't feel like I don't belong in this space. Of course I belong in this space. Am I a good person? Are you a good person? Then of course we should be speaking. There's, there's no other, there's no issue. Do you know what I mean? And so that's how I look at life now. I think that's really encouraging because I guess in a way, and I feel bad because I keep harping about our podcast, but this is a passion project for me. I love off my podcast. And we've been brewing for a couple of years. And it's the fact that too many people feel that only they are going through certain situation and their life's crumbling. It's like, in the nicest possible way, we're all beautifully broken. 
<laughs> we're only holding ourselves together by duct tape, by glue, by no more nails or by chewing gum, but whatever we can grab that'll just hold us together to get us through that day, to get us through that week, whatever. And I just want other people to get the hope to understand it. Cause when I, I started with the light system when I was 22, but I started off a cashier at that time. And it, you know, it eventually got to the point where I understood the people I was dealing with because I worked up in Grace Church Street and I had to understand that them people that are wearing suits and boots and stuff like that, come weekend, they're working, wearing jeans, I can't wear jeans. So as soon as I had that understanding, it was like, I can talk to these people. I honest, I've, le- I left banking, what, going on two years in October. I still got some of my clients that still talk to me now. When I had my twins, they sent over a check for them. And it's sort of like, I don't, I said, do you know what? I don't need anything from you. I said, our relationship is enough, but they love off me that much that they want to bless my children. And it's a matter of, I'm not doing anything to gain anything. I do it because you know what? For all my, and this sounds superstitious, if you want to call it that, I don't care, but I lost a lot of family members and I want them to wherever they are that are watching me to know that I'm making them proud. And that if I am going to pass away any time in the near future, I can say I did the best I could. I live full. I die empty. I'm not holding back. I ain't trying to give people flowers on their gravestone. I'm trying to give them their flowers now. And with this podcast, it's just letting people know like there's probably things that you um, disclose that many other people have followed you, but never knew. But it hopefully gives them hope and insight to say, yo, I thought you was always up there in the upper echelons. I didn't know you mm. came from the ground up. And it's like, yo, I'm Drake. I'm, <laughs> I started the bottom <laughs> of that. I am. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm doing that. And so many other people have shared their stories. And I, I just want people to understand that we're all going through the wars and our wars can be unique to us, but it's not that dissimilar to other people. And we just need to appreciate that social media is a beautiful tool when used correctly, but with capitalism and everything else that's involved, it can become very toxic and very minos- misogynistic and whatnot. And it can make things, make you feel a certain way. Makes you, who is it? Someone said it makes perfect seem obtainable and good disappointing. And now you feel like you're not wrong there because I look at my belly all the time and I'm like, yo, I look pregnant. I need to sort this out because I look at Instagram and it's telling me about all these people that I've got abs in them ones. It's like, oh, what? These, these people are like young. They got, they got all the time in the world. I've got three kids to look after. Who's got time to hit the gym like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's not a priority. It's still a priority to get uh, so, Yeah, yeah, of course. Of, but it's a matter of why am I trying to get abs like that to then be potentially miserable, but putting a filter that make me look a certain way to then make someone else feel a certain way. And I'm trying to make someone like me who don't even like me. Yeah. Because I've got more likes. Of course. It, 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 it's, it's mad. But I, re- I really do like what you're doing, how you've done it. I really want to ask this question for you because I could talk to you a whole bunch because we've got very, a lot in common. When you, and this is personal to me, but I think other people might know. When you, when did you have your first child? What job was you at that time? So I had my first child at 27. I was, yeah, 26. I was 26, about to turn 27 because my son's born in May and I, my birthday's in May as well. And um, I was a financial advisor. Where was I? I think I was at, where was I at? I think I was at, yeah, I think I was at NetWest when I had my first child. So when you didn't got made redundant then? Because I know they yeah. pulled all that. Yeah, pulled all that. How do you feel about that then at that time? Because that sounds like a lot. It was a lot, but I, obviously at that time I was, I was cocky. I was like, it's nothing. I'll just, I'll just jump on a new do you know what I mean? I'll get a new, a new job straight away. I'm so employable. I, I've got mad targets and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, 
that's when I went to SJP with all the cockiness thinking, ah, oh, you know what, actually I'm going to just go in here, smash it, make loads of money and, and made nothing. That was the humbling. Oh Lord. <laughs> that was a real humbling experience. I learned a lot though. And that's one thing I would say being at SJP, although I didn't make the type of money I wanted and though it was a really hard time financially, I learned a lot because the type of clients I was dealing with, the type of things that I was able to do, the things I was able to learn, how to go and find it for yourself. That's something that you don't learn when you're in a bank and people are walking in it and all you got to do is go into the banking hall. In fact, they used to give you a list of bonds that were maturing and you could just call the customers and be like, oh, your bonds matured. Would you like a financial review? And X amount of money in there. So that yeah. was your target. Yeah. That's what was your target. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't really that hard at all. Whereas when you actually have, I used to call people's reception and ask for, ask for, I'm looking for Michael Johnson. He went, and can you put me through to Michael Johnson? And Michael Johnson would answer, hello. And then I'd be like, hi, Michael Johnson. My name is Emmanuel. And I, and I, I, I've been, rec- you've been recommended by one of your colleagues. So I can't mention due to data protection, but they say you need a financial review. I'm calling from SJP. I'm going to be in the building on this day. Do you have five minutes for a chat? Okay. Come in, put you in. Boom. Or they say no. And even, like, okay, no problem. I'll call you. I'll call again. That was, li- and you're literally just phoning a, a name off a list. That was it. Trying to, trying to book appointments. And when you're just walking around the city, half of the appointments were cancelled because the markets did something and you spent your day in co- sitting in coffee shops because you ain't got an office because you're w- walking around the city. Oh man, it was hard work. But I, it taught me so much. And now I've got my own business. I know the systems that I need to put in place. I know what I need to do. I know the importance of marketing and branding and so forth because I've been there. So sometimes these things that you go through and they feel so challenging, they feel so hard, they'll lead you. I had so many clients that were like, I used to do the charity thing. You know when they try to stop you on the street to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because they did that, they were able to excel when they got into other roles because it's so, you realize how hard that was. So when you realize now you're in another position, you're like, what, what, what this is what I've got to do compared to what I eat. All of a sudden you just blow. And sometimes we have to put ourselves in these uncomfortable positions. Imagine when you go knocking door to door, people are slamming doors in your face, get used to that so that you can, and when you're in that environment, you know, you can flourish. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes it does feel bad at the time and it feels demotivating and that you deserve more and you, but actually it's preparing you for what's coming. That that is that is beautiful. And how easy was it for you to transition from going from being employed after numerous setbacks and whatnot, going into self employment? Was there a fear of it? And do you think because you went through the redundancies and the letting go, this just felt like the natural evolution of Emmanuel? Yeah. So I had that after after they let me go and I got my fourth child, I was like, you know what? I'm not going back. I literally got took my little stuff off the desk, you know what I mean? Take your little, your little belongings and then you got your little box, go to your car. And I was like, I'm not coming back. And I mean, I'm not coming back to employment. I'm, no one's going to employ me again as a financial advisor. And so I got my redundancy plus my savings, kept my costs low. And I knew I had about six to nine months worth of like that I could go without needing to, without needing to be employed. And I was like, I want to use that time to grow my business. And that very year I got my first TV show fantastic and that would never i'm telling you that would have never happened i would never have done the content i would never have done the events i never would have been as busy as i was if i didn't if i didn't get let go get made redundant 
And what would you say then? So that that's not an L, that's what for you? The biggest win I ever had in my life. The biggest win. And you know what? And I tell people this, I literally went to a financial advice event, like because as financial advisors, we've got to keep our, our knowledge and so forth. So you can have a study or you can go to a conference and like listen and get, get all the, get like five hours, which is much easier than doing five hours of writing and tests and stuff like that. So went to this event and I bumped into some of my old colleagues. And all of them were like, oh, yeah, we've seen you on the TV. Oh, we've seen you on the show. And it's like, it was so, in my mind, it was just like, yes. Because when I left, they they were, they were, didn't rate me when I was leaving. They, they didn't feel like, oh, how could you let go of Emmanuel? All they were thinking was, yeah, we're going to take Emmanuel's area, the clients that he's got, like, that he's, that he's built up. And, you know what I mean? They, they, didn't, they didn't think of it as anything. And then now they're meeting me like, oh, mate, you're doing so well. We see you all over the place. Da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, okay. I needed that. I needed, I needed to hear that, to, that you guys, you, you can see what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? And it was, it was worthwhile. It sounds like you, because of how productive you were and how good you were, it sounds like you reached the ceiling a lot sooner than they did because they couldn't reach those upper echelons. And then when you ducked out, they're like, yo, I'm going to claim all of it. And now they're probably still not there, but they can probably see the ceiling now because you're not blocking it no more. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously, because you're now out there just doing more, it's like, hang on, so my guy's doing all this. And what deductions are coming off him? Because when he makes a sell, he's getting a straight percentage of it or he's getting a flat fee of this and stuff like that. Whereas me, I have to wait three months for that to come through in case of council and whatever else. And then that's out of my hand because something might happen. The company goes left rather than right. And I don't get my bit, my bonus because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, exactly. He's just dealing with it. And my mind tells me as well, if a person has been made redundant X amount of time or whatever, let's be honest. People used to tell you, go get a job that's for life. If a job is not openly telling you, Yo, it's not you. It's me. Can't control you no more. You know, you, you're an amazing individual, but you know, it's just yep, you know, yep, yep. You kind of feel speech. like the risk. Kind of feels like trying to stay in a relationship that is more of a situationship. Why am I trying to force something when I can go alone? Don't get me wrong. Self employment is not for everyone, but if you can go, but if you can go self employed, and you're like, right, it's going to teach you to be more disciplined with your finances be more candid about what you can and cannot afford just be proactive in terms of what you need to do to generate an income how are these bad traits that you're getting from being self-employed when you're self when you go employed potentially you can get like you said you can get a bit complacent you can get a bit lazy you can get comfortable and then when you that happens you, you become that analogy where it talks about if you put a frog in a boiling water it will jump out if you put a, a frog in cold water and then slowly turn up the temperature, it will kill off and it won't move yeah. because it doesn't know that it's been boiled alive. Yeah, exactly. 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 And I think that it is, it is that, that, that analogy is so great because it's, I, I feel like self-employment, it's not easy, but I now get to pick my hours. I do I, even the type of clients. So I, I meet, do my client meetings. Sometimes I do my client meetings in a hoodie that, like, Coming from having to wear, you couldn't even not wear a tie. Do you know what I mean? Like you had to wear a, t- a tie jacket. Like, you know, you had to be smartly dressed all the time. And even you know, the hot, dirty England weather, even the hottest top button up as well. Top button done. Top button had to be done if you're a serious person. Do you know what I mean? And it's like going through all that to now be in a place where I can, the types of clients that I meet are 
comfortable with me being dressed however and they still want to work and do business with me number one but also they're paying me for my time yeah I remember when I used to, the first meeting was free. Do you know what I mean? And and you just go there and hope you can get them to find something that they'll then agree to second meeting and then you sign them up in the second meeting and then you'd finally get paid when everything goes through. Now people pay me just to have a meeting with me. Like you can't meet me without paying. And it's like, it's a totally, the respect levels for what I do and my craft and how I'm able to help. And even when I have my client meetings, by the end, the way they're thanking me, you'd think they had the meeting for free. <laughs> but I guess you add value though, don't you? Because I've been doing it for so long. I know I, it doesn't matter what's, whether you're the richest person in the world or you're the brokest person, I, it doesn't, anywhere on that spectrum, I've been doing it for so long. I know I can help everyone. So it's one of those, it's one of those those things where I know I can add value and so yeah I, I get to just I just enjoy what I do in fact now you know we're, 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 we're taking it to the next level so I'm, I'm now about to you know launch my, my, my financial advice firm I'm partnering with someone to ha- have a, go back into doing it for myself so as I have my own financial advice company and it's like wow do you know what I mean? And now I'm not, I'm not struggling for clients. So I've got low, I've got, I've got like over like 50,000 people, just connections just on social media, let alone, you know, being on TV and so forth. I naturally get inquiries all the time. So let alone when I start to advertise. So I built a brand and a name for myself. And so it's just a different feeling. Like it's been hard. The first, the first two, three years, I always tell people the first two, three years, I could have got a job and got paid more than what I got paid being self-employed. And now I probably work, I would say I probably work 30% of the hours I used to work and I earn probably four to five times more than what I used to earn when I was employed. And so when you, when you now flip it, you say, well, it's worth it, but it's that consistency. It's that time. It's that effort that you put in and that dedication to the craft to actually build up. But once you get there, you know, it's amazing. So I, that's why I'm always telling people like, yes, employment's not, self-employment's not for everyone, but anyone can have a side hustle. Anyone can find a way to monetize their passion. If you're passionate about something, you can find a way to monetize it and bring an additional income in so that if another COVID happens and everybody gets laid off or, do you know what I mean? Look at the, look at the, look at the, air, the, the, the aircraft sector. Do you know what I mean? The, the flights, they're all being, now they can't get staff anymore. They sacked everyone. And now, now everything, now we're all back to business. And I was like, well, no, I've, I found new jobs. Like literally people have found, started doing their own businesses. People have found other jobs that may be less stressful. People have gone part time. People are now thinking, well, actually, because of COVID, what does this life mean for me? Maybe I don't want to be nine to five in a, in, in this, in this, in, and do I want to go back to an industry where all it takes is a virus and I'm back out on my ear again? Maybe I want to find an industry that's a, that's COVID, COVID proof that even during COVID people still need those services. And so now, you know, in, now in that industry, they now have to increase their salaries because now you're a risk. You want to take that job is a risk. So you've gone from sacking everyone thinking that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're on top and now you're begging people to come offering them more than what you really want to. So that's life. But for me, it's like, what does life mean to you? And I see what you're doing. And this is why I'm like, I wanted to come on the podcast because I love to see people just being their authentic self, doing what they love, doing their passion, forget numbers of views or whatever. It's just about let's have a conversation. Let's put it out there. Let's get whoever's listening let them listen let them hear and you know support one another that's what we got to do 
we've got to support each other and we can't wait till, you know, people are blown up and then be like, oh yeah, let's support. Like, no, let's, let's support on the way. Do you know what I mean? And I love your energy. I love what you're doing. I love your professionalism. I love your dedication to it and how many episodes. When I see someone with lots of episodes, I'm like, yeah, no, this is something I can buy into because I know that you, you have, I know the consistency it takes to create the content. Do you know what I mean? And I appreciate and respect that. So, you know, keep up doing what you're doing more blessings on, you know, the, the, the increase into the family. And I know that, you know, everything is going to be more than okay. Well, much appreciate for that. Cause trust me, it's hard when you're doing the social media management for it. You're doing the editing of the podcast, yeah. you're getting the guests on, you're doing all the stuff. But what, what, if you're not a guest on my podcast, you don't know I'm quite clever. I've got a little automated system put in place. Well, I, I think I, I think I was quite clever to design that, but it just means that like, it gives me the time to do it. I've got a, a bunch of people already done, but I, I, when something's a passion, it doesn't go away. Yeah. You're either going to have regret for not doing it or you're going to feel fulfillment from doing it and understand that, yeah, not everyone might buy into it, but those that do buy into it are going to be your advocates. And that's what I want. I can't stress how much I'm grateful for your time. I, I think, you know, I've said it before. I think you're amazing at what you do. I love your energy. You, you know that I've given you critiques, not in a negative way, but you know, trying to build each other up to say, yeah. yo, this is what you're doing. Let's see if you can improve it because I'd rather critique someone than just leave them. Because if I leave you, trust me, you could walk in towards a cliff and it means I don't care. Yeah. But if I'm willing to stop and talk to you, it's because I see you potentially going in the direction you don't need to be going in. Yeah. And I want to steer you away from it and help you get better and get to that next level. Yeah. I, I gain nothing from being an ass. I don't want to be like that to people. So I want to help support people. And I just love you. I love your wife. I love the family vibes and stuff like that because things that you do and say, even though you might be talking about finances and it might be just banter, for me, it teaches me how to be more of a husband, to be more affectionate towards my wife, to be more outwardly affectionate to my wife. Because sometimes it's easy to get lost in the day-to-day reality that is life and being a parent. And sometimes like, you know what? You need to learn to gush on your wife because trust me, if you weren't your wife, you'd gush in the same way. So you need to keep that same energy consistently throughout. And I just think you stepping out in faith after all the adversity that you faced and still go for it. Cause I'm, trust me, I was only aiming for two kids and here I am with three. Yeah. I felt some type of way, but here you are with four children by choice or by design. And your job is just like, these jobs are not sticking right now, you know, like, but you still didn't back down. You still kept pushing on, still had that faith and still said, you know what? I back myself and your wife, I'd like to believe backed you too. Yeah. Like, she, didn't just, she didn't just sort of go, oh, I don't think so. And you still went against the wishes, but collectively you came together and said, yo, we're going to make this work. I'll do what I need to do to support. And you made it work. And I love that. And I think more role models need to be there. I think more of us need to be transparent about our lives because only through being transparent can we better ourselves because yeah. if you don't know something, you're going to repeat the same mistakes other people made where someone opens up and tells you about themselves, then you can go, do you know what? I don't need to go through that to learn a lesson because my guy's just told me his lessons. I can just build off of that foundation. Exactly. So I think that's wonderful. What I'm going to ask you to do is, unapologetically and unashamedly plug yourself, tell people what you're about, what you're doing and how, when you launch your company, you're going to make sure they read all that blurb that you (laughs) (laughs) read all that blurb because of the ramifications if they don't do it. So yeah, go ahead, tell people about yourself, where to find you, what's going on and so forth. 
yeah, so it's it's the e the e man effect UK on social media um, platforms. So that's that's the hashtag, um, that's the handle to to find us. Um, it's um, Emmanuel's www.emmanuelsuko.com is the website. Team at Emmanuelsuko dot com is the email address, and we're just here to help offer one to one services. So if you have financial goals that you want to achieve, if you want to be better with your money, if you want to buy a property, if you want to start investing, if you want to build your investments, if you want to start saving for your kids anything of that nature get in contact if you want to get a mortgage if you want to start if you want to look at your get your pensions reviewed now that we've got a financial advice firm we can do that so right now anything money anything financial we're here you're going to see me all over your tv screens all over your social media so just look out you know we're here we're growing we're building and um, i appreciate everyone's support and yeah this is only the beginning Ah, oh, that's fantastic. And to everyone, better get in now before like the prices sky- skyrocket and you might Trust not be getting with him. You just go see one of his underlings or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. <laughs> that's the plan. And the thing is, right, if when it comes to dealing with financial affairs, the reason why, and this is my personal take, when I dealt with my affluent cl- claims, uh, clients, sorry, the thing that was interesting for them is the fact that money was overwhelming for them. The money they earned was good because they were doing whatever they did to make that money. The last thing they want to consider is what to do with the money. They need someone that was educated and could speak in a way that made sense to them. So it's sort of like, well, your money kind of looks like this. What do you want it to do? Well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Why diversify? Why do I want to diversify? Because some of it can be at high risk and you can afford to lose it if it goes south, but realistically, you're not going to need it for the foreseeable. This set of money you might need for the next two, three, five years. So then put it in this type of product. It won't give you a maximum return on it, on it but it will give you something more than what you get if you're leaving cash. But they need someone who knows what they're talking about, can just listen ask the right questions and then give them an answer. And if you're looking for someone like that because you don't understand what pensions are, what the benefits are to you because you're maybe too young and you're thinking pensions far away, well, as soon as you start paying into pensions, the less money you have to pay into it in order to get a decent return. But the older you get, the more money you have to pay into it in order to get that same return potentially because you missed out on the market. And there is a phrase, it's not about the timing of the market, it's about the time in the market. So do what you got to do, speak to Eman, he will sort you out nicely. And trust me, like if you don't have faith in any other financial advisor, have faith in him. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that, man. Definitely do it. So to everyone, thank you very much for your time. I cannot thank you enough for our wonderful guest today. And I just hope that you've learned that every year is not a loss. There are things that we're going to go through and sometimes they are going to look ugly and not what social media wants us to showcase but wear that l like a badge and just see what you can gain from it because we all go through things for a reason and you can't stop a wave but you can learn to surf so do what you gotta do follow us on social which is every l podcast on twitter and instagram and if you want to email it's every l pod at gmail.com and feel free to just get in contact if you go onto instagram i'm going to start putting some exclusive content out there so if you want to follow feel free to and hopefully if i can persuade him nicely i might be able to get his wife one so that would be nice i'll catch you in the next episode Every L podcast.